Hi everyone. Today's episode is brought to you by Fuelixer. Fuelixer is the sports nutrition subscription box built for endurance athletes and enthusiasts. Every weekend, thousands of men and women strap on their running shoes, hop on their bikes, plunge into pools to train for the next big race. From newbies to Olympic athletes, these individuals are serious about their sports. Spending thousands of dollars on equipment, coaching, and training, all in an effort to reach their peak. They don't know it, but they're missing something. The power they are after isn't in the fancy gear or in coaching alone. The real secret is nutrition. And when it comes to sports performance, what you put in your body matters as much as what you do with your body. Rather than shipping subscribers a random box of sports nutrition products, Fuelixer builds boxes using a combination of performance data from Strava, nutrition requirements, and taste preferences. Fuelixer sees the types of workouts you do and gets insights into the weekly training volume. Fuelixer combines this data with nutrition requirements and your preferences gathered through the Fuelixer survey. Empowered by sports nutritionists, ex-pro cyclists, competitive athletes, in a little math, Fuelixer's journey begins by doing the shopping, researching, and calculating for you, the athlete. Fuelixer makes practicing sports nutrition a personalized experience for newbies all the way to U.S. Olympic athletes. It's easy and fun to get started. All you have to do is go to fuelixer.com, connect your Strava performance data, take a quick nutrition survey, and boom, Fuelixer selects the sports nutrition gels, bars, chews, hydration, protein, and recovery fuel that fit your individual nutritional requirements and preferences. All you do is you choose your Fuelixer recommended box size that was calculated based on your historical performance data. With Fuelixer, you can unlock your potential and really get back to what you are most passionate about. Whether it's cycling, running, or swimming, Fuelixer fuels you. Now, let's tune in to the Fuel Talk podcast. Hello world, my name is Pablo Quiroga and I'm your host and this is the Fuel Talk show where we discover people and products with ties to nutrition, data, performance sports, technology, and the mind. So on this show, on this episode, we're on episode 44, uh, we're going to welcome Taylor, Lance, and Clay. Uh, this is the crew from Sabotage, Danny Walters as well uh, from Fuelixer uh, and from Adobe Cycling. Um, and what bike store is one? Bike, Vegas Bike Shop? Vegas Bike Store. Yeah. What other, what other what job uh, do you work? My mom, like a bunch okay, of stuff. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're ready to throw down. We've been, um, man, we've been here for a couple of days now. Uh, this is probably the most exciting cycling uh, adventure that I've been on in my entire life. So I'd first like to start off by thanking Clay, uh, Lance, and Taylor for, you know, inviting uh, myself and you know, Danny for bringing us on this on this adventure and this journey. It's been really cool. I've gotten to meet uh, people that I probably would have never met if it wasn't for you guys. So definitely, thanks for that, man. Um, thanks for being here. Welcome. Yeah, that's that's the uh, that's the idea. 
Yeah, yeah, this is awesome, and and I can't wait for the next one. <laughs> um, so wait, have we decided if we're gonna? Yeah, have so we should do some, <laughs> some intro, so we know who's. Yeah, voice yeah, is yeah. Voice. So let's like, we're gonna go around. Um, and Clay, why don't you start off? Sure. Yeah, my name's Clay Adair. Um, I uh, do the social media, and uh, I guess like, like kind of like marketing, sales, um, and uh, a lot of the communications aspect of sabotage. Um, we anyway, that's me. Camp host. This, where, 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 are my parents, where are my parents? My parents are the hosts, and uh, I'm just uh, here facilitating. So, yeah. um, Lance Anderson, I'm the uh, newest cyclist of the bunch. Uh, I uh, do design and just kind of business. CEO, the strategy type stuff. That's a good way to put yeah. it. Uh, my name is Taylor LaSalle. Uh, originally from Southern California, living in SLC, Salt Lake City. And I'd say I'm kind of more of the manufacturing behind the scenes, working with our factories, uh, making sure everything's up to spec and quality-wise, and uh, dabble in a little bit of the shipping when I can. But uh, I, I just want to point out, you know, we kind of have distinct roles sometimes, but it's definitely, I mean, we're, we're constantly talking, texting, collaborating, so it's definitely all three of us 100% behind Sabotage. Yep. We, need, we should take a moment... To, to uh, yeah. acknowledge and shout out and uh, say we wish that was yeah. here too, other members of our team. Yeah, um, yeah. Got Jeremy Spafford, who does fulfillment, he came on relatively recently, but he's he's already uh, integrated well as like a full-fledged member of the team. And we have um, uh, Mark. Mark Vogelsang, who's, whose last name I'm sure uh, we just slaughtered, but yeah. he, uh, he's our web guy and uh, he's got a magic wand that he waves that does amazing Makes things with our, our website and uh, both of them are recent additions um, but they're quickly getting up to spring speed and uh, we just nice. need it we absolutely have to like give them a shout and say that we wish that they were here cool man sure. cool could you describe a little bit uh, you know to people who are listening about sabotage like you know how did what's your origin story with the company and well, it's a, it's 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 cool that we're having this conversation here in this travel trailer in Kanab because this is arguably where it all started. Um, the three of us were all living uh, in um, just south of Salt Lake. Uh, we worked at a bike shop in Pleasant Grove, Utah. Um, all of us were uh, either uh, in the throes of uh, undergrad or post undergrad, underemployed um, kind of situations. So we all found ourselves in this bike shop, and uh, it was the trough of the financial crisis. And um, we kind of worked through our that period on the bike um, and uh, formed a solid friendship. And um, we went our separate ways uh, after that to geographically. Ge ge geographically, <laughs> we went our separate ways, um, but uh, we. Um, set up a weekend to converge on Kanab, and we had this great time riding in this area. Um, rode through Zion, rode through some some more obscure gravel roads, and um, places where people really don't ride, um, but were absolutely amazing. And uh, we said we didn't want to do that again, but we had been living in different areas, wearing different kit from those areas, and uh, we were kind of bummed that when we came together, we had had a common kit before, but it was old worn out because we'd been riding in it and crashed uh, in some more than others and uh so we decided we wanted something that we could wear when we came together and also wear when we were apart just to kind of uh um s s uh represent the fraternity that we had and um and uh because it was an important time to us and our friendship was important we wanted to represent that um, yeah. in, in a way and so um we designed a a kit and uh, it needed a name. We decided to name it Sabotage as an inside joke um, because one of us, more than the other two, feels that 
the Beastie Boys Sabotage Music video was the most brave and uh, original, original <laughs> and and still music video that it was yeah. ever created. I'm not um, divulging who that is. Yeah. Right. Okay. So um, as a, as a, I, I, I'm pretty sure it was collectively agreed though that true. once you know we went through a search of history of videos. Right. Sabotage kind of rises to the agree. top. Scholars so. agree to play in the background. Right. Like a little sound bite of that. So anyway, so we yeah. called it. We called it. We out from a moment that we had. Uh, we called it sabotage. The name stuck. We actually talked about changing it, but um, we decided to run with it and go all in. So, so that's kind of the origin story. And so, so we've come back to Canab several times as the brand has grown um, and uh, and developed um, w one way to I think to keep it grounded and, and keep us focused on why it is that it started and everything. We decided to host a camp here, and, and as the network has extended, we've invited people from across that network to come back. And so that's what this camp for this weekend represents, is we've got a cross-section of people that have bumped into the brand and have become a part of the brand, and so that's kind of why we're here. Yeah, I think that's a fundamental part of it. When we, I mean, originally it was the three of us chatting, and then it's like, hey, you know, it's it's, it's, a, it's that community uh, that Clay was talking about, that, that fraternity, and... We got a lot of other buddies that we ride with that we're really close with, and we're like, you know, we gotta we gotta extend this out to them, and then and then they know people, and they know people, and it sort of became this, just kind of way to bring people together and and kind of a uh, kind of a unity across across a distance. So originally it was it was the three of us who were apart, and then very naturally our buddies, and then their buddies, and then it just kind of became this thing where we became connected with I mean a lot of the people that are here today it's not like they're buddies of buddies but it's we've become you know kind of a we've established those friendships through a common interest in cycling facilitated by the brand so I will say just kind of looking back you know we didn't sit down one day and say hey let's start no. a cycling clothing company no, like that was <laughs> that was very far from our minds it was more of just something that brought us together <clears throat> excuse me and, you know, friends of ours that we reached out to and just said, hey, we're going to design a kit. Are you interested? And then, you know, one thing led to another. And, you know, one day someone Facebook messages us and is like, hey, I'm interested in buying this kit. Are you making any more? And things snowballed. The next thing you know, we're getting people from Australia and all across the U.S. kind of, I really don't know how, but kind yeah. of like finding out about this little first run kit that we did. And then just kind of one thing led to another is like, you know, at first, we were just like, hey, yeah, PayPal me some money and, you know, I'll, I'll send you a kit. Like, people we didn't even know. Yeah. And it just kind of grew into, well, I want to, let's design another kit and let's make it easy for people who are interested to buy it. And then, yeah, and now, a few years later, um, it's it's grown to where it's like, wow, we have a small little boutique cycling clothing company and we're having fun with it and trying to kick out designs and um, just trying to... Yeah, reach out to more people, create some more friendships, and especially memories. And that's, I think that's the biggest thing of why we're down here in Kanab is, yeah. you know, just the stories that we're going to tell, you know, once we leave Kanab. And that's what's, I think that's really what's, what Sabotage is about is just getting out of the bike, doing something out of the ordinary, and the memories and stories and friendships that, that come after that. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it always, it always ends up starting, uh, finishing and starting with the bike, right? Yeah. On the mm -hmm. bike. It's like, you're a kid. What? Uh, so my first experience when I was a kid <laughs> with a bike was my dad. You know, creating. He made this bike, put this bike together. Uh, super young. We were on the top of the hill where our house was, 
and he just like totally lets go, and I'm just like fucking bombing this hill, (laughs) dying, like freaking out, man. You know, I did not see that at the end of this hill it was a T, so you either had to turn left or you turn right. (laughs) This was for the first time on the bike. I didn't know how to turn, right? (laughs) So right in front of me there was another car, and boom. And ran it just completely just slammed the car right that was my first experience nice. with the bike um, how, how old were you oh man i mean i don't know like six seven or something you know oh, like super geez, young man. and my dad comes down my dad comes down he's like are you right i'm like uh you know can't even like speak he's like come on let's go let's get back up and you know just taught me a huge lesson by yeah. like experiencing the hit obviously i still remember now you know i'm like 32 (laughs) and 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 i'm still riding bikes and i love it you know so what was your first memory with um with the bike man uh i remember um my earliest memory with the bike was i was actually uh my my dad's like proudest moment for me i feel like was i was i wasn't quite three years old yet and rode a bike without training wheels um but we had this we lived out in rural northwest washington and we had this big u-shaped driveway and i remember the bike it was a smurf bike Nice. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure it was a hand-me-down. Is but, that why you wear those Smurf underwears yeah. all the time, dude? Is that? <laughs> well, I remember. I, I literally. I remember this. I remember. Remember just seeing my dad taking the training wheels off and like scoot me down the driveway. And I remember driving, um, driving, riding down the driveway with that yeah. training wheels for the first time. Yeah. So, um, anyway, I lived in a rural area, and to get to a friend's house, I'd have to ride my bike like up this hill and like yeah. you know miles away and whatnot. But I just think that one of my earliest memories is being scooted down the road on this bike, yeah. Smurf yeah. bike. You know, it's funny you say that because we joke about my family. The one time my dad really got pissed at me <laughs> when I was about that age, and I went down a, I went down a long hill that went into yeah. a tee like that, and uh-huh. he was down at the bottom, and he was not happy because I was going to get hit by a car, <laughs> and I didn't. But so very different. I mean, similar story, but different. Um, but my, I mean, my earliest memories. I got. I was in I think kindergarten or something, and got a huffy like BMX and there was this we called it Pounders Field and later figured out that there was a family called the Pounders that owned it but they just built like a BMX track back there it was I mean it felt like five mile ride but it was around the corner from my house yeah, you yeah, know yeah. and we just all summer long just go back there and ride bikes and try and do stuff and hurt ourselves Tail whips and not that. tell your parents <laughs> that you got hurt you know what I mean so you could go back out the next day so that's my earliest memories of yeah, riding yeah. bikes yeah nice yeah, uh, did not have a Smurf bike, but had a Batman bike. Nice. I remember, I remember distinctly. Uh, I think it was like Batman chain protector, right, on the old, I don't know, some old department store bike. Uh, but I remember being probably about seven or eight, and yeah, no hill, but taking the training wheels off and kind of my dad being right there, uh, pushing me down the street, falling a few times. But you know, that was like that's my first real memory of of riding bikes. Uh, but it definitely, it's something that I really fell in love with cycling later on, just kind of just coming out of high school. I'm from Pasadena, and there's the Rose Bowl. And it's around the Rose Bowl, there's about like a 3.1 mile loop all in one direction. And in the summer, it's on Tuesdays and Thursdays night, Tuesday and Thursday nights in the summer. It's a big group ride. And it's, it's, it's if you've ever been in Southern California and know the Rose Bowl ride, it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty fast and furious for about an hour. And I remember going down there, living close to it, and just seeing guys, you know, those road cyclists, just a big group flying by. And just the sound that they made and the color of their jerseys and kits was just something exciting to me. Um, And so it wasn't until kind of just after high school that I really got into mountain biking and road biking. But definitely uh, 
first memory. and shaved legs. I know. A lot, yeah. a lot changed since my Batman night. <laughs> Danny, what about you, man? I think, like, the most poignant memory was when I was a bit older. I rode with my dad. I was probably, like, 12, 13. And he'd get up really early in the morning. And so this one time I just wanted to go with him. Um, and so I grew up in California, uh, the Monterey area. And so you get all the f- coastal fog that rolls in over the hill and just sits there in the morning. And so we took off and went up this hill up by my house. And it was only like three or four miles, I think, you know. But um, just the sensation <clears> of having that, that freedom, the exploration to take off. And then the turnaround point was all downhill, right? So at 12, 13, like you have that sensation for the first time of ticking over 30 miles an hour on this like very thin wheeled machine mm-hmm. zipping down with your dad. It was something yeah. like existential, you know, and. My dad goes blasting past me because he's heavier than I am at that time, right? And he's like yelling over his left shoulder, 31, 32. And I'm like, what, freaking out, dude, like trying to maintain myself, you know, riding through the fog. And um, I think at that point, I think it's safe to say we all have that sensation. It's like you're hooked, you know, you just keep longing for it again. I don't, know, I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I used to love riding in the neighborhood because then you could meet other kids that were also yeah. on a bike. You know, you'd meet at the corner or whatever, yeah. and, and you would bond and, and make friends over time. Like, But it was only on the bike, yeah. you know, because I, I actually never, I probably like never invited anyone to my house. I would just see them on the street, you yeah. know, like in the yeah. neighborhood. So that sensation, I, you know, this trip kind of reminded me of that because I didn't know anyone. Yeah. You know, but as soon as we got on the bike, it's like I've known them from like my whole yeah. life yeah. you know what I mean yeah. it's, it's crazy how, how that, that magic that happens there so um, and especially how we were suffering the other day you know throughout the rain for about an hour and a half uh, first time ever that I've ridden I'm sure for a lot of people that ridden to a laundry mat to dry off because <laughs> yeah. we were all just like in hyperthermia mm-hmm. about to like fall off our bike mm-hmm. yeah. um, see Instagram for details hashtag yeah. cannabitage mm-hmm. yeah. 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 hashtag cheapest laundry mat all the dude. <laughs> 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 25 cents a load so I think it's pretty cool you know as a brand on how you know yeah you do have a product their kids you know there's a transaction there but I think like uh an amazing transaction that you guys are doing is the experience, you know, things like this. So, um, and yeah, and that's, and that's probably like something that you either are doing it consciously or subconsciously. I don't know, but, um, I think that's what a lot of people are drawn to is that, that experience. Cycling really, I mean, it has a reputation and somewhat well-deserved, I think that especially road cyclists can be a little bit stuffy, you know? Yeah. But at the same time... Well said. Like, that... It, you roll up next to a guy, and you're out on a ride, you roll up next to somebody else, and you... I mean, it's not... You just start talking to him. You start riding with each other, you know? You stay together. Well, you unless can, he has a nicer bike than you, then you gotta beat him to the next slide. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you, it, it depends, you know? But it really facilitates, you know what I mean? Uh, kind of an instant uh, connection with somebody else. I think a lot of times... They, that you don't have otherwise mm-hmm. just like you're saying when you're a kid you go meet people on the street on bikes yeah. mm-hmm. and that's how you get to know each other so yeah yeah so what do you uh do you guys race uh, do you guys have a team what's your uh, <laughs> clay races <laughs> what do you guys what are you guys we've up to race, nowadays we've all raced at various various yeah. points you know when we first when we first met you know things were a lot different for for all of us you know we were either i, I was still in college getting my bachelor's degree and you know working part-time at a bike shop so i was riding a ton racing um, so I think we, we met and a lot of our connection came from going out on training rides together and then, you know, going, going to a few races together. Um, nowadays though, you know, I've, I'm married, 
I got three little kids. I'm in a PhD program. So things are changing for me. You know, I still get on the bike. Um, not as much as I would like. I, you know, I wake up early to hit the trainer. So I think racing deep down is all like, is all still within us. You know, if we, even if we don't race, it's always in the back of the head, like, oh, this is, this is a spring that I get in shape to kill it, you know, in the crit series or it's, it's, it's always there. And I, I think about, you know, I wonder if one day that's going to go away for me or if, you know, I'm going to be 60 years old and, you know, every winter, like, oh, this is the winter that I get strong again for the summer. So the latter is going to be the case. <laughs> or you might just start living vicariously through your young ones, right? Yeah. Like your PhD, yeah, yeah. Now you can hand the torch over to somebody else now that can be mm-hmm. like an up and coming, you know? Maybe that's yeah. why I had three boys. Perhaps, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get the bike pack maybe maybe like you can have your kids create the next design for your kit. Sabotage yeah. 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like a bunch of handprints on jerseys. It'd actually be pretty cool. Yeah. One thing that I'm pretty inspired about that you were talking, Clay, the, the Technology with social media, so um, I've had the good pleasure of getting involved with Sabotage a little over a year ago, probably a year and a half or something like mm-hmm. that. And so I have connections with individuals like DT.com and, and Climbing On, all these cats that are down in Australia, right, mm-hmm. wearing the Sabotage kit. And it's just cool that these individuals you've never met, like, um, you know, we have Josh up here from Hi-Fi Wheels from uh, from Portland, who you said you'd not met, for, but you've been communicating for a year. Mm-hmm. You know, a bunch of new friends here from from Atlanta and elsewhere. Um, And it reminded me of, like, the global connection that you've started. And it's not something you've done, like, once you've been established, right? It was from the get-go. I reminded of the ride you and I had in 4th of July. We talked about, um, you know, you're you're wanting to promote stuff like World Bicycle Relief through SRAM. And then initially how you set out to help Team Rwanda with the Thousand Hills water bottles that now sponsors the team. Um, do you want to elaborate on how that came to be when that conversation was put into... And sure, about the water bottles? Or yeah, just the, just the you know the global influence and wanting it to be kind yeah. of philanthropy. And Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, well. How do you get sabotage in Africa, man? Tell us. Right. How does that happen? <laughs> um, well, uh, I think I th- I've, I've got a lot of thoughts about what you said about like a, a networking connected and the, and the power of social media. I th- to touch on that, I think a lot of there's a lot of talk about um, uh, I think about gripes about social media and how it replaces real relationships and that kind of thing. And I think that there's there's validity to that, but I think also you have to acknowledge the power of social media and how, especially when you're when you're coalescing around a common interest and passion, and how it extends your ability to make connections and and broaden your community. And I feel like there's people that I know that I communicate with that I have like an emotional. Um, attachment and commitment to individuals who I've never met, never talked on the phone, but because we have an interest in a common cause, and I just have to give a shout-out to thank you. Thank you for people creating social media. Um, <laughs> well, well, listen, I mean, like, social media is a tool. And yeah, let, let's, not, let's not kid ourselves. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's all about the narrative, yeah. right? You know, I mean, you have a narrative, so, yeah. Yep. You're, you're, you're the one creating the content Absolutely. and the narratives. So let's, so, so, um, we, um, when, one of the messages that we try to send to any perspective like, I guess, customer, um, is that if you're going to buy anything from Sabotage from the website, if you're going to buy one thing, let it be the Team Rwanda Thousand Hills bottle. Um, we got connected with them. Uh, I was, so this is, Sabotage is arguably a, a side project. Um, 
uh, that we do. We've all got full-time jobs and, and families and um, other things. Uh, some of those people would argue that we, uh, that we spend a little too much time, that, that that's our primary <laughs> focus, and that, that we have side families and side jobs. But um, I was a... I uh, see some internal, <laughs> internal dynamics yeah, here. Right? Uh, and uh, so um, I one of, in a, a previous job that I was doing, I'm doing I worked in uh, refugee resettlement, um, and uh, I uh, um, spent uh, half the time traveling internationally, um, working with refugee populations pretty much right, right before they would travel. I worked in the processing. It was just kind of like um, one of the last steps before they would um, get resettled. And uh, so I spent some time in, a good chunk of time in East Africa, um, some time in Nepal, but I was lucky enough to be able to go twice to Rwanda. And I feel I feel bad saying this. I had I had, I knew about the documentary Rising from Ashes. I knew a little bit about Team Rwanda, um, but I hadn't uh, I hadn't watched the documentary yet or, or pursued it. So I was in I was in Rwanda and I had a bike with me. I had a Richie Breakaway um, that I was traveling with, and I was on a ride. And I'm climbing up this hill. They call Rwanda the land of a thousand hills for good reason. You're either going up or down. And um, uh, Rwanda, uh, it's also um, uh, it's one of the most densely populated um, sub-Saharan African countries, um, and uh, uh, everybody gets around by bike there. Um, and uh, anyway, I was going for this climb, but most people were on some you know, like uh, you know Chinese or Indian-made like steel frame kind of thing. Um, but I'm going up this climb, and this 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 guy whizzes past me downhill on this you know modern road bike in modern kit, and the guy's looking hella fit kind of thing right? <laughs> and I was not hella fit but I whipped up I, I, I remember I, went, I had a choice I was like he's you know local African rider um a Rwandan rider uh you know do I do the thing where it's like turn around and like pull up and say like hey what's up man mind if I ride you kind of thing but decided what the hell so I turn around and he was obviously not mid-interval he was like resting or whatever and I I, was, <laughs> I hustled hustled my ass to to catch him and just said hey what's up and started chatting him and he was a local Rwandan rider um training with Team Rwanda, and it was one of the coolest experiences I've ever, ever had on a bike because he his he spoke English, um, um, not not totally, but he had enough to converse. I spoke zero Kenya Rwanda, um, but we were both cyclists. Um, we were both passionate about the sport aspect of it, and uh, we rode together for about an hour, and in broken English and a lot of hand gestures, we talked about cycling, we talked about our histories, we talked about racing, we talked about um, a lot of things. We talked about Rwanda. We talked about training in Rwanda. We got done with it, and I and I looking back, I, immediately after, kind of like party and getting back to the hotel, I was like, we said very few words in English, but like we 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 both were on the exact same page and speaking the same kind of like you know right. emotional language about yeah. cycling. So that's what got us connected. I was in Rwanda for a couple weeks, and I came back probably six months later, and I, I had watched the documentary, um, and uh, I had reached out to Kim, who is, uh, Kim and Jock run the team. I was going back to Rwanda for a couple months, and I said, hey, I'm, I'm going to be there. Um, uh, do you guys need anything from the States? Uh, can I bring anything for you guys? And, uh, and she was like, that would be great. Um, uh, they, they tried to get uh, uh, some... Um, sports nutrition coordinated to arrive. It didn't end up getting there, but that got us connected. She invited me out to the Africa uh, Rising Cycling Center in Musanze, Rwanda. It's north of um, north of the capital, kind of west up in the hills. Okay. And um, and I took her up on the offer, and I went out, and they have a program where um, they, uh, uh, you can, I don't want to go into too much details about it, but um, I'm obviously something that I'm kind of excited about. 
they have Team Rwanda, but then they have the Africa Rising Second Center, which is a um, kind of a best practices um, and, and resource training facility for um, regional cyclists. Mm-hmm. Rwanda has kind of set themselves up as um, as uh, kind of like the the, the hub of um, uh, competitive cycling in East Africa, and so the uh, Ethiopians, Eritreans, and other people from the area will go there and train. Nice. And, and it's awesome. um, it is re- yeah. really really cool, and because they're able to kind of establish themselves and kind of respond and accommodate um the you know the 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 kind of the elite professional aspects of cycling with the area because you know the cyclists are, are paid as far as like international standards are, are 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 go they're they're very much underpaid but as far as rwanda goes they're, they're paid rather well and um a lot of the the cyclists you know if they if they're paid and they go home there's kind of an, they have a responsibility to provide for their family and provide for the people in their community and when you're training at an elite level, you know, making sure that you get the calories and nutrition that you need is very important. And so one thing they did is they set up the center so that the, tri- the cyclists can come there and during their build-up phase, they can train, they can get the nutrition that they need, and the, the coaches and staff are able to, to ensure that they get what they nice. need. They're paid, and then, and then, you know, in their off-training block, they can go home, and they're able to take care of their families and that kind of thing. And so it also allows them to, to teach them the best practices and kind of in-house make sure that they're they're cultivating the kind of like next generation of Eastern African cyclists. And so, so that's the facility. I got to go there. I got to meet the people. Um, and, uh, one of the, uh, one of the cyclists, uh, Nathaniel, and I would butcher his last name if I attempted to say it. So, so I won't, but he's in the, the documentary rising from ashes. If you watch him, he's kind of, a, he's, he's, uh, uh, shorter, very slight, but a great personality, um, of a guy. And it very much comes through in the documentary. Um, and, uh, we spent three days, and he, he drug me all over uh, Rwanda. Uh, me, a, a not so svelte, 180 pounds, and him weighing like 120 something. Awesome. He was very patient. Nice. He took me around and and uh, and just hosted me in a really great way. And so so that and and in this whole time, Lance and Taylor are home uh, as my best friends, and we're communicating. And I'm sharing my experiences with them. Right. And um, and and we're and they very much latched on vicariously to this experience, and we got really excited about. East Africa, we got excited about East African cycling, and, and Lance, um, you know, kind of like was was driving the, the conversation of like, well, what can we do to support? Can we use sabotage with our minimal, you know, kind of minuscule means? Like, can we support in any way? We obviously manufacture clothes, and so um, cycling apparel. And so we asked, like, is there anything we can do? Can we make we make a jersey and like sell it and give you guys the proceeds? And um, they've got some great sponsors that 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 really support them. Louis Garneau is um, their clothing sponsor, and which we just are super jazzed that they, that they um, have come on Reynolds Wheels is another sponsor of theirs and um, and so um, so they had they had uh, uh, a relationship with Louis Garneau so we couldn't do it in clothing wise but Lance had the idea he he said do they have a bottle sponsor and so I reached out to Kim and, and she actually said no we don't and boy that would be great because um, we rely on the generosity of other pro teams to kind of give us hand-me-down bottles at BMC is a team that has provided them with a lot of bottles um, which is super cool and uh, but she said we don't have a steady flow and we have uh, we have actually a no toss policy on bottles like if you finish a bottle it get back, gets back to the car it doesn't yeah. end up on the side of the road it doesn't end up in a fan's hands it gets back to us because we need right. to reuse it she said, you know, like the bottles are almost as valuable as the water that's in them for our cyclists. And so she said, that'd be great. And we asked them, like, what's your, you know, what's your, uh, your, well, how many bottles would you yeah. need a year? And yeah. she said, oh, I don't know, boy, 200 would be great. Yeah. Which is like, that's not a problem, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so we came up with a program. The one for one model is, it's a great model, you know, Tom Shoes, um, uh, Warby Parker and, uh, and other, other brands have, have, um, have used it, which is, 
is it, it a great idea. We, so we just adopted the model. We provided them with an initial 200 bottles. Um, they use them at the world at Worlds in Richmond. Um, the first were one female cyclist to participate in the world championship. Yeah. Rode the TT in the road race with her bottles. The U23 uh, uh, man rode with her bottles. And do the bottles get distributed at that center that you were speaking of? Yeah. So what it is is so um, so we um, uh, they do. So when we we did a one for one and uh, we partnered with um, uh, specialized bottles. They uh, it's the specialized purest bottle. And um, they, uh, we emailed them and say, hey, we're doing this thing. Um, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're gonna. We've done it. bottles with them. Before we did bottles with them before. Yeah, we to them and they were. We love the bottles. On the idea. Yeah, yeah, and we said like, hey, would you guys want to help out with this? And they're like, absolutely. And so, um, uh, anyway, it's a, we we give the initial, uh, we did the initial um, uh, support of bottles, and then we instituted a one for one program. So every every. Uh, Team Rwanda Thousand Hills Sabotage Bottle that we sell provides a bottle to nice. the Africa Rising Cycling Center. And the really cool thing about the program is it's 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 a uh, it's a one for one. The the bottle that they ride with and race with is the same bottle that you're you know riding on your training ride or racing with. And um, and uh, you might the bottle that you buy, it might be in the hands of like a, a local pro or a, a professional Rwandan cyclist who's come up through the ranks and has has made the jump over to Europe and is racing. They're, they had a U23 team that raced in the UK. They raced on our bottles. Um, and, uh, or, or they raced on the sabotage <laughs> bottles. They raced on your bottles is the idea. Um, or, you know, if you go to the Team Rwanda feed, you'll see some local cyclists in Rwanda. They're juniors. They're racing, like, cobbled together bikes and kit that's too baggy for them kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And they'll be racing with the sabotage, uh, the, the Team Rwanda Thousand Hills Specialized Purist bottles. And so it's, it's, the, it's the one... Um, I guess one, our can, one campaign that we're most excited about. So anyway, yeah, sure. you guys want to jump in about anything else about it? I think you covered it. Yeah. yeah. I, th I definitely think, though, the conversation has always been there for us that we just, we want to try to make an impact. I think yeah. we've been, uh, I don't know what the right, right word is, but we've been very fortunate in our lives, you know? And we... We wish we had more resources to find other venues to support other great causes associated with cycling. Um, this is obviously something that, you know, Clay experienced firsthand. And we still talk about when are we all going to go out there and, and ride in Rwanda. But I think the conversation for us has always been there, has always been with us that we want to do something that's that's impactful and that gives back in some way. And so I think... Hopefully we we continue to grow and and hopefully you'll still see some more some more ways that um, that we partner with um, with other companies and programs to uh, to support people who who definitely need the support. Yeah, yeah, it'd be a great documentary too. You know, if you guys all took a trip out there um, yeah. and just you know documented the whole trip and the impact that you guys have. You know, I think it's kind of neat. Is we have um. <clears throat> There's sort of like a, the Vegas Team Rwanda and Sabotage connection. Right. Because Kim comes out of Las Vegas. She and her ex-husband live there. And so I've had the good pleasure of her coming into the shop and picking up a, I think it was a Scott mountain bike for Nathaniel. Actually. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. She did. And yeah, so I was like, that. hey, I just got a chance to talk with her. And she was super jazzed on it. And she's like, yeah. it's amazing to see the support from them and for other individuals. Because all of a sudden, like, we get a lot of stuff that's showing up now. And it's like we have surplus to give with others. And. Uh, it was just really neat. So we we're talking about how like, thus is cycling. It's cyclical, you know. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, just yeah. we're talking the other side of the world, a bunch of individuals getting together and doing our little part, and then 
there it is making an impact on other people's lives as we've had in our lives previous, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. Absolutely. Kendall's great. She's always positive and yeah. just you feel like she works 24 hours a day. Yeah. She's like super passionate about what they're doing. So. And then, She's you know, really cool. her explaining the, the, the conditions there is really challenging, yeah. you know? And yeah. it's amazing to see like how tough as nails a lot of the individuals are there when they do their their mechanics program where it's like, you know, we'll, we'll house you for a year and just please commit to being here for a year. And, um, you know, it's not, it's not the Ritz, yeah. you know, right. but it's no, like, it's they're, mm -hmm. they're making it make a huge difference. And let's put a plug in for the Africa Rising Cycling Center. they one of their programs is a, uh, kind of hospitality tourist thing. If you, if, if anybody listening to this podcast has any kind of inkling, like maybe I want to go to Rwanda and ride bikes, you can go to the Africa Rising Cycling Center for, for a very great deal of a price. Uh, they'll put you up. They'll set you up with a bike. They'll set you up with a guide. And that guide will, like, take you on some amazing Rwandan roads that will just absolutely blow your mind. So if you're in a position to have the means to go, hit them up, go visit, ride a bike, and meet some of those guys. Yeah, I'll we'll definitely put the link on that. This could be uh, Sabotage Camp 2020. Yeah, yeah. yeah that'd be great. That'd be easy. I know you guys are based in different areas, so um, could you share a little bit about the cycling communities? You know, if people were to visit uh, that area in that region, you know, do you have any recommendations for some good climbs or some good rides? Uh, and also, you know, what is Sabotage doing in these communities, too, to kind of, like, spread the word and you know, create these types of experiences um, locally and where you are. So one thing that's inter interesting about that is we've all, like, very recently moved um, locations. So we're actually all three um, kind of newcomers in the communities that we're living in. Um, cool. I've been in Atlanta for a year. Lance has been in Seattle for almost a year. Almost a year. And yeah. Taylor just recently moved back to Salt Lake. Has had some connections there, but being new in school, it's kind of has a new community around him. Um so, uh, in some, a lot of ways, it's kind of ironic. We're kind of the guests and the newcomers and the yeah. places that we're at. So we're, we're the ones that are trying to get out there and make connections and whatnot. So, um, I'll, I'll ha I have to give a shout out to Atlanta cycling. Um, I, uh, it's a really good community. There are some really great rides. I, I, I cycled in Utah. I cycled in DC and there's some super fast cats out there. Um, but I've never been as fit as I, as I am now because of the, the, the weekly training rides in Atlanta um, and, you know, on, on Tuesday night, on Thursday night, on Saturday morning, you can show up and get your ass kicked on some, uh, some hilly routes, uh, in that area. And the scene is super cool and uh, just some really great guys. It's, it's kind of like, it's fast cat cycling combined with Southern hospitality down in Atlanta. So, nice. yeah. So if you, if you're down there, um, uh, hit up the, the North Lake ride on Tuesday nights, hit up the pizza ride on Thursday nights. They go both go to Stone Mountain and ride laps there and, uh, and, uh, don't feel bad when you get shelled off the back. Um, and uh, go to go to the North Georgia Mountains, go ride Brass Town, and uh, hit up Helen or Delonica, and there's some great climbs up there. So nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been in Seattle for almost a year now, and honestly, I mean, I think to the chagrin of Clay, I'm 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 riding probably more mountain than road. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's that's become my thing. Uh, I mean, I still ride I still ride road probably as much as mountain, but it used to be exclusively road. So been doing been doing that a lot more um up in that area yeah so, so how is that have you met people uh, i met a couple of people yeah. yeah um met a guy he took me to uh, uh doothy hill it's an area just outside of issaquah it's like i don't know it's it's a it's like the place to go if you got a couple hours to ride poland they've got i mean it's it's 
set up really well. It's like a really main, well-maintained uh, bike park. He took me there, showed me around, so I've been going out there. Um, met a couple people out there as well. Um, but it's the it's the mountain bike park uh, yeah. scene, you know. So okay. it's cool if you got like an hour, two hours to go. Uh, other than that, been riding up uh, Tiger Mountain, which is just the other side uh, up there in Issaquah. But you get up there, just grind up this grind up this fire road up to the top of this mountain. It's like an hour and a half grind up, maybe, and then just bomb down. So it's a great great time out there. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely excited to be back in Utah. The climbing. Uh, I lived out in Nebraska, so if anybody from Nebraska, I lived in Omaha and Hastings, uh, any of my old rad buddies out there, uh, hope you're listening and doing well. So I think there's definitely, you'll, if if there's a sabotage kit in Nebraska, uh, they probably have a connection to me. So uh, <laughs> thanks for, for all the people out there in the Midwest who support sabotage. Yeah. Uh, but I'm definitely excited to be back in Utah and, and the climbs. One of our one of our first, no, I shouldn't say that, but one of uh, one of the big rides that we did together and kind of like set aside time to do was I attempted it. Lance and Clay finished it. <laughs> um, but it was riding all four basically canyons in, in Salt Lake Valley. And so it's uh, Big Cottonwood, Little Cottonwood, Mill Creek, and Immigration. And that was... It was a pretty brutal but pretty amazing Saturday devoted to riding all those canyons in one. And so I would definitely, I'm, I'm definitely excited to be back and looking forward to summer um, when I can just, you know, be on a bike climbing for hours. That's kind of what I grew up doing in Pasadena. Um, climbing GMR, going up the Baldy, getting up Angela's Crest. So I'm, I'm someone who likes... Who likes kind of open mountain roads so I yeah it's tough to beat Utah especially with uh, with yeah. what's available and what's so close a little bit of everything we should probably give a shout to to Crusher and the Tusher right as, yeah. as kind of like the yeah. ride if we're gonna pick one thing and that's yeah. like the thing as far as us as a community and a group of friends to say to go do it's uh it's the second weekend in July I think usually, usually. yeah, yeah. It's a, Saturday it's, it's gravel grind. awesome it'll it will absolutely so, crush yeah. uh, any ounce yeah. of will that you have yeah. 70 miles 10,000 feet of climbing top side at 10,000 feet elevation twice yeah it's mostly gravel it's absolutely gorgeous some sand, but you, some, some sand yeah you won't be able it's to enjoy hot. the view though because you'll be yeah. suffering but it's, it's about uh, a 50 50 pretty close to 50 50 split of uh yeah i think so about kind of asphalt and mm -hmm. and non-asphalt I, I do want to say this something that's really cool um so so burke um Burke puts that on, right? Burke's yeah. Hurst, yeah. Um, former pro, and, you know, he puts on a great race. My experience with Burke was, um, and this is something else that goes back to our roots with is uh, a local cross race scene up in kind of the Provo area. Uh, P-Town Cross, kind of put on by Joe Johnson. want to give Joe a big shout-out. Yeah, good dude. Um, Joe's awesome. All love to Joe. Mm -hmm. He kind of sent us an email and said he wished he could come down here this weekend, but he, but he couldn't make it. But Joe Johnson's a great guy, and anybody in Utah cycling community knows who Joe is. Uh, but Joe, Joe and I actually helped put on a small uh, kind of weekly cross-race series, and Joe knew Burke. And I remember, you know, it's like a Tuesday night. It's like 4 o'clock. And I'm setting up stakes and marking this, just like a little cross race, you know, show yeah. up, pay 15 bucks and, and have a good time. 
and and Burke shows up and just says, "Hey, I heard you guys, you know, might need help setting up the course." And just super cool guy. And I handed him some flags, and it was just like, "Yeah, if you want to go mark this and just you know check these areas, <laughs> and if you could just walk the course for yeah. me, you know, yeah. and you know, be a bro and go mark this area." Yeah. <laughs> so Burke, and Burke was just like totally chill about it, you know, and uh, so unassuming. So. He's just a guy that loves the cycling community and um, puts on a great race out of Beaver. So Crusher is, it's awesome. I don't, mm-hmm. uh, it's so unique. And honestly, the quality of talent that shows up to race that um, is awesome. And it's, it's just really a great, a great event. So definitely go mm-hmm. and support Burke and support the Crusher. Both of them. I mean, P-Town and yeah. Mm-hmm. Crusher both started pretty modest and, I mean, dropped... I mean, yeah. chumps like me show up, but, you know what I mean? But yeah. they draw big names, yeah. you know? They're they're serious professionals. Well, yeah, chumps like us can show yeah. up and get, get lapped by Jamie yeah. Driscoll and yeah. Jonathan Page three yeah. times yeah. in a race, and it's like, yeah. and everybody's cool with it, yeah. so, yeah. yeah. So what does the, uh, what does this year look like for Sabotage? What do you guys got in the, uh, you know, midterm goals? Uh, we have a new product launch coming out in uh, about three weeks. Uh, beginning of March, that'll happen. So we're super excited about that. It's been a little bit longer in the works than we've been hoping, but it's good to get it uh, finally out there and official. Um, that's, I mean, that's that's the nearest yeah. event on the horizon. We did, cool. we did, we did a first skin suit the, for this last cross yeah. season, and uh, we had uh, a good number of people racing in it. No, like no one seriously racing in it, which is kind of exactly how we want it. Yeah, just weekend warriors. Friends that we have, people that, that we're connected with, um, and uh, did a design that we liked, and people got out and raced in it, and we were really, really uh, jazzed on that. And so we're looking, hoping to do, another, we're planning on doing another skin suit and having, having another uh, crew of people racing in it. We really love cyclocross and and uh, of any discipline that we would like to kind of support and, yeah. and be involved with cyclocross is it. So we're excited about having, you know, cyclocross like sabotage cyclocross uh 2017 yeah yeah cool what would have been some of the challenges actually uh you know um with having i don't know to design new kits or the production side of it um you know what would have been because everyone has challenges i mean um i'll jump in because i think i see that (laughs) kind of firsthand all the time um you know a couple of things is working with manufacturers in you know other parts of the world um, we work with manufacturers in Italy and in China. And so, you know, time difference is a big thing. Like not being able to pick up a phone and call someone and immediately like be able to communicate and work your way through things can be difficult. Um, and then getting samples, you know, it's a long process for us and we're, we're always tweaking things. So, you know, we can come up with a design, we get some samples back, we'll ride in it for a few weeks or a few months. And, you know, then we then we have to sit down and talk about you know what what do we want to change, what do we want to tweak, do we want to change the material? Well, if we do, you know, can we all come to an agreement on you know what's the weight, what's the thickness, which fabric do we use? Well, do we what what do we use for the shoulder? What do we use for, you know, the front panel or back panel? So there's a continual process that is always going on that it it just takes time for us. You know, yeah. um, like was mentioned earlier, this is definitely. It's a passion of ours, and it's unfortunately, in some ways, um, it's not our day job, you know. And so, because of that, this is often what fills early mornings, late evenings, um, and weekends for us. Lunch breaks. <laughs> Lunch breaks yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So something that, and especially us three, 
you know, when it first started, we were all pretty close geographically. And now it's, hey, you know, Clay's in Atlanta. I'm, I'm in Salt Lake. Uh, Lance is out in mm-hmm. Seattle. So, you know, there's our time zone difference. Yeah. So, yeah. so how, how have you guys been able to deal with the uh, working remotely and kind of like keeping the, uh, I guess, the glue? Like, uh, you know, yeah. and the, the stickiness yeah, between, the just between, even between you guys, like internally, yeah. how, how have you guys been able to deal with that? I mean, we try and, we try and, <laughs> uh, get together and have like something of a formal meeting every other week. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're talking all, basically all day, every day. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's email, uh, text obviously. And then Slack, I'm sure. Shout out to Slack. Yeah, Shout out to you. Slack. They, they run our company it right keeps now. keeps everything <laughs> organized. But it's all day long. It's it's you just you know drop the at symbol in somebody's name, mm-hmm. and then an hour later they'll get it. And mm-hmm. it's my phone. I sit there at work in my cube and head down. and just I feel so bad making all my cube mates listen to that all day. But it's sabotage stuff coming in all day. And when it's busy, it really is yeah. all day long. So. I will say this too. I mean, we're the first guys that if we get a new bike these are the guys that I'm texting first, you know what I mean? And sending pics to, and if things happen in our lives. So I think first and foremost, it comes back to our friendship. Mm -hmm. You know, that's really, that's really the glue is these are some of my, my closest friends and, you know, Clay got married and, we were all, I don't know, but, uh, but we were all in the wedding party, you know, I don't know. I thought you got married, bro. Why'd you get married? Yeah. No, but, you know, um, it, it was definitely an honor to be to be one of Clay's groomsmen, you know, and that's, I think that just goes back to. And Taylor brought yeah. samples to the to the wedding, and we were, yeah. we were in the corner looking at, like, no you know, way. swatches <laughs> and swatches. <laughs> so, yeah. That's efficient. Yeah. Awesome. Amazing. So, yeah. um, Every time we get together, there's yeah. something. Literally, like, the night before yeah. my wedding, we were in Taylor's hotel room not not drinking not like yeah. <laughs> so we were like we were looking at like possible kit prototypes the stripper was Taylor like changing into the kit yeah, <laughs> yeah I put on a good show yeah, right it's pretty cheap too you never throw any money that way yeah. I think uh, I mean I think uh, the one thing I'm uh, I work for an organization that, that doesn't necessarily need to leverage like uh, uh, like a lot of virtual like business tools or whatever. But um, one thing that I've just been as we've done the project and been really grateful for and amazed is just the various like apps and tools and things that people have put out there to like facilitate remote collaboration. Yeah. And um, and so many of them that uh, that are either free or have um, like kind of like a, f- a free non premium version that you can use until you go to get to a point of having the resources and the volume to need to go premium and then and at that point boy this is a great deal kind of thing so we've mentioned a couple of those apps and whatnot but um mailchimp mailchimp yep shout out to mailchimp like serious shout out to mailchimp um and uh but um but yeah but but that being said it comes with its uh um uh with its it's difficult but it's also i mean clay's clay's put a fine point on this in the past i mean it's it's an effort to keep in communication to talk about the brand and and what we want to do and everything but it also i mean we're you know best friends and it keeps us there's rarely a day i mean there's rarely 48 hours that we'd go without communicating so um it also helps keep yeah. You know, keep those friendship bonds alive just just by virtue of needing to talk and about And we, I mean, business though. camp uh, hashtag cannabitage here. Yeah. This is definitely something that has been going on with us for four or five years where 
at least once a year, we fly in or drive in or go somewhere and spend a weekend riding with each other. Nice. So that, I think, you know, that's something that we make a point to do and focus on and say, all right, where are we going this year? Where are we meeting up? What are we doing? Because, you know, it drives our friendship and, and you know, it just gets us together to have a good time yeah. on the bike too. And I think we've, we've had some really great conversations with people this this camp that are involved in really, really great brands and projects, Fuelixer, Hi-Fi, yeah. and yeah. Um, you have the conversations about, you know, like, you know, kind of like the conversations that help you refine, you know, your brand and your mission and that kind of thing. And, um, I've had a couple of those this weekend. And I think for us, um, the one, um, kind of like, like foundational element is that is the, the, the community and, um, the involvement, you know, like we've got people here in this camp who, who are cat one pros and we've got people here who are uh, you know i just I'm, I'm glad i got out this month on a bike kind of yeah. thing yeah. and um and and the great thing is is kind of what started with our friendship and that that um that like kind of like philosophy and attitude of it we don't give we don't give a crap like where you're at where you're from like you're yeah. someone yeah, who, yeah, yeah, you're sure. someone who we love and who um who uh, are part of our community and we want to ride with you we want to come together and so that aspect that the the circumference of the circle is expanding and it's bringing in people uh, of that similar like attitude yeah. and uh, that kind of thing so i don't know we're talking about branding we're talking about how like, what what comes in the future and where we're going to go and and what are kind of going to be our um like our, our our driving values and i think that yeah. absolutely is one of yeah. them so nice I think uh, expanding the circumference is a good way to close out, man. All right. Yeah. Uh, sure. You know, we are uh, in Cannabitage, and there's some people waiting for us. I think right, we're just going to go ride. <laughs> we're late. Yeah, so why don't we, um, you know, we can go. you go around, man. This is a great time for you to, I know you've been shout, shouting out to a lot of people, but uh, we all have, like, our core group and supporters, you know, which are family, our kids, uh, friends, you know, who have been those core people that you can go to and, like, wine with, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and kind of like just keep you going, you know, mm -hmm. and motivated. Um, you know, give a shout out to them, you know, if you'd like to. Uh, and then we'll also post some of your links and everything that uh, people can contact you, you know, for for anything, you know. So go ahead. All right. Yeah. Well, I got to I mean, I, I, my wife Caitlin. Uh, I, I don't joke about this, but I call her my life coach, and <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, she very much makes this all possible, and she's given me the like the wings and the freedom to like be involved with this. And she really appreciates uh, how important it is. And uh, um, she's the one that I snuggle with at night, and she's the one that I snuggle with in the morning, and she's the one that I go to to uh, uh, vent about all these things. I've absolutely vented to Caitlin about Lance. I've vented to Caitlin about Taylor. <laughs> so, okay. Shout out to my parents who have, have been great hosts and who are just um, yeah, they're they've been yeah. amazing hosts, yeah. man. So, yeah. Yeah. And always, I mean, yeah. They, mm -hmm. they're the salt of the earth. They're awesome. Yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, these guys is, is, I mean, my, obviously my family, I'm not married. I'm the one of us that's not married. Um, so my family and then these guys, you know, and then our other riding buddies, you know, it's kind of what keeps it all together for me and keeps things moving along. So, yeah. Shout out to Ty. Shout out to Ty. Yeah. Yeah. He should be here. He's powered out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for me, most definitely my wife, Tawny. Um, she's, she's just seen, she's just seen me through my, my highs and my lows. And I'm just, you know, I drug her out to Nebraska for a master's degree. <laughs> um, now she's seeing me through a PhD. So she's definitely, 
um, just a huge blessing in my life. And I wake up every morning grateful that uh, I met a special lady like her. So thanks, honey. I love you. I got three awesome boys, Caleb, Luke, and Ben. And I, they motivate me. I mean, Caleb's seven and a half. And, you know, he's always asking me when he's going to get a kit. Um, mm -hmm. Doesn't quite fit in the women's extra small jersey <laughs> yet. So uh, don't don't be surprised if you find some kids' clothing popping up mm -hmm. on Sabotage. Uh, we, we've got a lot of friends who are having kids and, you know, getting kids out on bikes. So um, my family is definitely driving force and support me and put up, put up with the, the odd hours that we keep putting this company together and holding it down and um, the time that we devote to it. You know what would be cool? This is, I mean, I'm not, I'm kind of serious. It would be funny. I mean, I would buy one. Uh, is pajamas for kids that yeah, look like cycling onesies. kits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd be cool. That you would buy one? Yeah, for, for my kid. Oh, I thought it meant for you. Oh, I would yeah. buy one for myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, adult size. Like I don't have a baby, but I'm going to have to sleep in it. And, uh, and, uh, we need to mention. We need to mention Jeremy. We need to mention yeah. um, Mark, and uh, yeah. we should give shout outs to um, to uh, Deanna, Mark's wife, and um, Kayla, Jeremy's wife, for yeah. them giving them support and letting them be involved in the project too. Yeah. So I mean, they're they've been toeing the line now for a couple months, and that's they're mm -hmm. they're they're deep in the trenches yeah. already. So yeah. their wives are familiar <laughs> with it. We need to yeah, we need yeah. to mention Chance. He's our finance guy. We're still waiting on that first deliverable, but. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Cool, man. You have any other, anything else you want to ask these guys? No, it's been solid, man. I just yeah. want to get on ride. This has been the, uh, yeah, it's been definitely. good, good motivation right here. Awesome, man. All right, well, this has been uh, an amazing, an amazing weekend, and I can't, I mean, I don't want it to end, man. You know, I want to keep on writing, yeah. especially after that Take that movie we saw last night. Oh, yeah. Especially <laughs> since it's gonna be sunny tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so. Um, <laughs> Yeah, this has been episode uh, 44. All right. And thanks for having thanks us. Thanks for having yeah. us. Yeah, thanks, for having us. thanks for hosting us, too.